you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you, Anne, for bringing us that song and for your more than heartfelt rendering. So a couple of weeks ago, I received an email from Paula saying, and it was accompanied, accompanied by a song, and she was saying, she was thinking of using this song for today and wanted to know if I'd be interested in adding a scripture or a poem at the end. Or maybe she suggested I could write a poem for it. Now understand that I don't write much poetry these days because <coughs> poems are living entities that take over your life. <laughs> Once one gets loose in my head, it won't leave me alone. I would like to say that poems are like puppies all bouncy and joy and wanting to play. No. To me, a poem is like a cat that climbs up on your head and then headbutts you until you do what it wants. <laughs> Feed it or play with it or write it down. And then once you cave in and you start and you get almost done, it goes under the bed and leaves you high and dry for the evening. <laughs> until 2 a.m., whereupon it bounces up and says, okay, now let's finish, write me down. And then, once a poem is complete, it just sits there on the page and it's all smug and self-satisfied. <laughs> so no, Paula, I am not going through that. <laughs> so much for willful restraint. Within an hour, an idea was pouncing on me and there I was trying to translate it into words. And it didn't work. Now partly that was because of my resistance. And partly, it just it wasn't fitting with the song. So, okay, fine, I took a breath and let it go. And the actual poem started to come through. Now, the one that wasn't working was extremely appropriate to the situation. Because it started, my will is restless, let's go for a walk. And then it went into <clears throat> the story of my will straining at the leash and breaking loose, causing havoc, trampling over people, knocking things over being so very self-centered and not accomplishing anything. It occurred to me that this might be a message. <laughs> so I set the intention not to fight the process of birthing the poem, and actually it came very pretty quickly. And it was only just a little bit smug and self-satisfied when it was done. Does this sound exhausting? Of course it does. But it made me laugh, and this whole process gave me the opening to my talk. But look what happened. I was willful. I said no, I don't want to. 
and then I softened. And then, when I engaged in the process, imagination blossomed. Will's an interesting attribute. We need will to activate our lives, to move around, to interact. But when it becomes too strong, we lose sight of our true selves and what really matters. I really like the way <clears throat> that Reverend Linda structured her book, by the way, giving three aspect, each one of the aspects three other aspects. Because the whole point here is to help us recognize, understand, access, and engage these different abilities that we have. Now, not every power will appeal to every person, which is why it's really cool. There's 12 of them. And most likely, each of you will be drawn to just one or two, minor divine order and divine imagination. And this is good because really, honestly, trying to do all 12 at once, you'd just be so distracted, you would probably not get anything done. And besides, each power or attribute does exactly the same thing. It grounds you into your core, the real you. It gives you a tangible concept to reach for when you face challenges or just trying to accomplish something. A 12 powers practice is very practical. And it can be used by anyone of any religion, spiritual practice, or even in a sexual, sexual? Oh my God. <laughs> Secular frame of reference. <laughs> Note to self, do not use that word in your talks ever again. Okay, so let's get back to will. <laughs> it's important that we realize the difference between willfulness and willingness. Think about willfulness. It means you are full of will, wanting to do it your own way or not do it at all. It's like, I want to do this. I want to... Okay, no, I don't want to now. Being full of will is blinding. You can't see any other way to do something or any other way to interact with a person. Now, it's not that I was a willful child, but had I been, I would identify with all of this quite well. <laughs> Standing there, digging your heels in, refusing to see any options or let someone tell you what else to do, refusing to listen to people or to God. But when I think about it, I also wonder how much of my personal willfulness, how much of it was pure willfulness? much of it was me just not wanting to follow all of the rules for girls in the 50s and 60s? How much was my personal will and how much was my spiritual will guiding me to be more than my family saw for me or thought that I was capable of? I mean, I can be totally willful because I think we all can. We would all love to have our own way most of the time. But I have discovered, and probably you have too, that my personal will doesn't always have my best interest in mind. It just wants what it wants. And as I said, that just sort of blinds us. So this little fit of willfulness over not wanting to engage with a poem, it was silly. And when I backed off and said, okay, I'll give it a go, I made a choice to set my personal will down. And then once I started writing, I was committed to seeing it through. And so in that process, I became willing. Choice, commitment, and willingness. That's the order in which Reverend Linda presents the aspects of divine will. But as I went through this little episode, it seemed to me that on some level, I needed a little bit of willingness to break out of my little self-will jail in the first place. 
And I mention this only as a reminder that nothing in spiritual practice is linear, and it doesn't show up in discrete little packages. Part of spiritual practice is to recognize that phases and seasons cycle through us, hourly, daily, weekly, I mean, just always. There's always this cycle. Spiritual practice is a pro process, not a destination. Some people don't want to hear that. But I'll say it again. Spiritual practice is a process, not a destination. And I use this little adventure with writing a poem as my example because it was, it's simple. And most of us can relate to the little things in life that we resist when we want our own way. But we all know that life presents us with all sorts of situations to partners, jobs, children, work, and in fact, you know, even our relationship with ourself. Sometimes that's where I get the most resistance in myself. You know, Mary Roberts shared her own story of her reluctance about doing this painting. Her personal will saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not really a painter, I'm not really an artist. And that softened, and she finally gave way to imagining the painting she shared with us today. Now, hers wasn't silly. It was a very deep movement from I can't to yes, or maybe she did maybe first, then yes, then I can to I will, and then I did. It was an amazing process to watch. And we can all be willful or willing. We can be willful or willing. And as simple as that seems, this example shows how we get so wound up about seemingly the smallest things. I watched myself go from no to yes in a couple of hours. And other situations, of course, can be much more complicated and longer term, but honestly, the feelings are the same. It's just a matter of urgency and intensity. That poem says that divine will is messy yet beautiful. That beauty comes when you move out of personal will into spiritual or divine will. When you make the choice to cooperate, because that is when you open to the activity of imagination. If you're not in resistance, you're open to possibilities. Reverend Linda in the book says, imagination is our powerful capacity to picture what can be. And we begin to feel the effects of imagination before it even becomes an idea in our heads. There is an impulse, a movement towards something. Even if you don't know what it is, you can kind of feel it. I know some of you have experienced this. Now, imagination is the portal through which we create our reality. And it is extremely powerful. And so the way we use our imagination is also very important. Now, Reverend Linda assigned the aspects of conception, vision, and embodiment to imagination. And so this is how I, kind of, I, I imagine that imagination works. In divine mind lies all potential. It's all, I don't know, I see this river running you know, up here that I can't see. And potential is at a very high frequency and vibration. This potential is what we feel before we even get the actual idea. You might even say, I'm going to do the thing. And I'm not even sure what that thing is yet, but I'm going to do something. So pretend that the energy is up here in this river, and then something starts to come down into you, and energy comes into you, and you have a concept. 
And then it comes further in, and then you conceive and nurture that thought until it blossoms into a vision or a real idea. And then you work with it, and you feed it, and then you take action, and you do the things that you need to do to bring it forth. And then you embody that idea, that vision, and that's what comes into the world as the light that we are. Now, I want to take it aside for just a moment to say, when we talk about vision, most people think seeing pictures in your mind. There are people who do not see pictures in their mind. It's normal. There's nothing wrong with those people. They just experience the world differently, and they have another way. So if you're one of those people who kind of struggles through um, uh, guided meditations, there's, it, it's okay. Just do what you do. Sit there in the dark and enjoy it. <laughs> but there is nothing wrong with people who don't see pictures in their heads. Imagination is very powerful, and it shapes everything in our lives. So imagination, just like will, needs to be cultivated, needs to be paid attention to. We really need to be aware of how we imagine, because a lot of it happens very unconsciously. It's like if you're going to have to drive somewhere, you might immediately envision what the traffic situation will be. <sighs> it's going to be a parking lot out there. I just know it. You're imagining that because you don't know, right? Anything you're talking about, if you don't know, you're imagining it. But you can easily envision it as a true, free way of getting to your destination easily and gracefully. We imagine all the time, we can't help it. Which is why there is so much emphasis on being present and mindfulness. Otherwise, we imagine ourselves into quandary after quandary. Look at how right use of imagination couples with right use of will. May we see the slide? Those kind of really work together, choice and conception. I'm choosing, I get an idea, I commit, I, you know, I bring it further, and willingness and embodiment. And when you choose, you're ready for conception. And when you make a choice or conception, vision comes, and the and embodiment flows out of willingness. But notice again that this is fluid. None of these aspects work, aspects work in order, and they don't work alone. It can be very messy, yet... Beautiful, if you give your spiritual self to the process. Thank you. All of the powers we will encounter during this seven-week period offer two modalities, the personal and the spiritual. Personal will has its place in our lives. It moves us through the world. But when it gets too personal, it gets in our way. And the same is true for imagination. Personal imagination has its place, but it can be limiting as well. Spiritual imagination will send you soaring. None of this is ever about eradicating our personal power. It's about discovering and learning to use, activate, and access the spiritual potential held within each one of us. By seeing an aspect as a power and naming it, we give ourselves markers to follow or to hold on to. Naming will as divine, naming imagination as divine, it takes us out of ourselves and allows us to choose, envision, embody the very best of who we are. Our divine powers are how God expresses through us. 
it's okay to have a little resistance in our lives. Sometimes that actually helps, slows us down, helps us make better choices. Imagining the worst just comes naturally to people. So there's nothing wrong with those. We all know, but we also know that life is better and we're happier when we stay present and use our imaging skills to embody spirit and let our light shine. Draw on that um, an amazing power that is within us. And that's why we're all here, to rediscover our inner light and shine it to the world. When we follow God's will, when we activate God's imagination, nothing can hold us back. Nothing, not even a bushel, can cover our light. And so, as the poem sort of said, when you know divine will and divine imagination, we are one. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual